Hey everybody, this is Pastor Cor Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. If you have your Bibles with me, uh, your Bibles with you, I have my Bible with me. Uh, if you brought yours, um, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, and Ephesians 4 and 26, 27. I'm going to read two, chap- two verses a day from different parts of the Bible. That's, I don't do that on a normal Sunday morning. But today, we're going to mix it up a little bit. I want to read for you Ecclesiastes 3 and 1. When you have it, just shout, I got it. Here's what it says. To everything there is a season and a time to every, somebody say every, a time to every purpose under heaven. And then Ephesians 4 and verse 26, I'll give you a moment to turn there. Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 26, says this. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath neither give place to the devil. Amen. I want you to look at your neighbor today and I want you to help me with my title of my sermon today. I want you to look at your neighbor I want you to tell him, get angry. Get angry. God, we thank you for your word today. I ask you to help me. Help me deliver what you put in my heart to deliver to your people today. And help us be careful to not just be hearers, but doers also of the word. And we'll be careful to give you praise. And someone shout in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Somebody shout it again. Get angry. Woo. Some of y'all already excited about this message. Get angry. You got, I'm giving excuses this morning. You may not know who Owen Chase is. You may not know who Owen Chase is. Owen Chase wrote a book called The Final Journey of the Essex. But Owen Chase was a real-life person. Owen Chase was in the whaling industry in 1823. In 1823, Owen Chase was a young man between 20 and 23 years old. And he got on a ship called the Essex to go partake in, uh, at that time, was the greatest industry in the world, and it was called whaling. And the purpose of the ships is they would have massive ships that would have smaller boats attached. and They would go out to where they knew that there were whales, whales spawning and, and mating, and they would go to those grounds, those spawning grounds, those mating grounds. They would take, uh, sometimes their trips would last between a year and a half and two and a half years. That's how long they would be on a ship whaling. They would make it to this place. The smaller ships would go out and they would harpoon whales. At that time, whaling was the largest industry in the world because they used whales for perfume, for oil, for food, and one of the most uh, highest commodities at that time, ivory, which a whale's bones are... 100% 100% ivory. And so, Owen Chase was on a vessel called the Essex. 
And every day during their hunting season, they would come off the largest ship and get into smaller ships. And they would go out and they would harpoon. And they would find whales one, two, three at a time. And they would harpoon these whales as they were in their spawning and mating lands or, or seas, parts of, the, um, parts of the ocean that they were in. Owen Chase was, a, again, like I said, between the age of 20 and 23 when he was on this vessel, the Essex. All of a sudden, uh, out of nowhere, literally the only time in recorded history that we know of for sure, a whale fought back. Whales are very docile, and there was never a problem with whales attacking anybody. It wasn't like they were out trying to hunt killer whales. These mostly were blue whales, sperm whales, and they were not in any way aggressive. The only time that they would fight is to fight to get away. They would never fight back. But on this particular day, actually in the book, the final journey of the Essex, you realize that this whale attacks this ship for several days on end. He would attack and then he would disappear and then he would come back and attack again. A giant whale, as Owen Chase would put it in his book, and that whale sunk the Essex. Only eight men survived and they returned home years after their ordeal. That ordeal involved them having to cannibalize their dead friends to stay alive. All because one whale decided, I'm fighting back. If y'all want to get me, you're not going to get me without a fight. <clears throat> when Owen Chase came home, finally made it home, when he got home, he realized he had like a three-year-old daughter. And Owen Chase uh, spent the first year home with a ghostwriter, and he wrote the book, The Final Journey of the Essex. Several years later, a man whose name you might recognize, Herman Melville, wrote another book, completely based off The Final Journey of the Essex, and it is entitled Moby Dick. And if you've never read it, you should. It's an awesome book, The Man in the Sea. You know, I don't know what caused this whale, one of the only whale attacks in recorded history. I don't know what caused this whale to just have enough. To just say, you know, I'm, 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 I'm done with this. I've reached a point where I've decided that um, I realize who the enemy is and I realize that they're out to get me and I've just decided that Instead of always being on the defense, I'm going to go on the offense. I don't know what caused this whale to snap and decide, I am going to sink ships. But he did. It is recorded history. Owen Chase was clear that the whale not only attacked their boat, but it attacked several other boats as well. But the Essex was the boat that it finally sunk cracking its helm to the point where it took on water and could not be saved, killing many men in the process, only eight surviving this whale. 
decided it's time to get angry. And just like this whale who I don't really know the whale's name, no one does. But somehow this whale got to a place where he decided I will fight back at the right people in the right time and I will save my life. And in the process, maybe save the lives of those around me. And I, I do stand before you today knowing that in Christianity, uh, our, our, our job as Christians and uh, a part of a Christian characteristic is the ability to walk away from a fight. I know that. And I know that one of the characteristics and one of the personality traits of a, of a Christian should be to turn the other cheek. I get that as well. But, but I want to remind you of a scripture that we, we, we love to read, but sometimes I, I think that uh, we, we miss the point. It's in Ephesians chapter 6 where he says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, in verse 10, and in the power of his might. And he tells us to put on the whole armor of God. Now, the only reason you put on the armor is because you, you're about to do something. Yeah, yeah. If, if all he wanted us to have was a shield, then it would just be a shield, which is a defensive weapon. But he said, I want you to put on the whole armor of God. And he said, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And that's, that, that's very specific there. We, we, we need to understand the specificity of that scripture is that the only reason I put on my armor is because there is a devil. The only reason I put on my armor is because there is an enemy who wants to devour me, who wants to sift me as wheat, as Jesus would tell Peter. He, he wants my soul. He wants my life. He wants my children. And he wants my family. And he wants this church. There, there is an enemy. I believe sometimes we've been rocked to sleep so much by, by, by good old Christianity. We've been, we've been rocked to sleep and we think that everything is copacetic and everything is good. But let me tell you right now, I don't know if you've been awake very long. But there is an enemy who is out to get us. He hates us. He hates you. He hates Jesus. He hates this church. He hates your family. He hates. He hates that you're dedicated to the house of God. He hates that you're committed to the name of Jesus Christ. He hates that you love the gospel of Jesus Christ. He hates that you're unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have an armor because we have an enemy. Amen. Watch verse 12. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're not my problem today. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, get angry, but not at me. Woo, that'll preach. Get, get angry, but, but, but don't get angry at me. Get angry at the spirit that's trying to divide you and me. Get angry, but don't get angry at me. Get angry at the, the forces of darkness that are trying to come between you and me. Trying to use me against you and you against me. He said, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Did you catch that? This isn't an anti-wrestling scripture. Let me say that again. This is not an anti-wrestling scripture. 
This is a directive. He's not saying don't wrestle. He's just saying wrestle with the right thing. Amen. He's not saying wrestling is bad. He's not saying that we shouldn't fight, we shouldn't wrestle, we shouldn't grapple, we shouldn't get into the arena. That's not what he's saying. He's saying that if you want to fight, fight the right thing. If, if you're going to wrestle, let's wrestle the right thing. Let's wrestle against the enemy of our soul. We are supposed to wrestle against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. It's time for the church to start putting on the armor again. It's time for the church to get back into the, 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 the wrestling match. It's time for the church to get back into the arena and say, hey, wait a minute. We, we took off our wrestling clothes long enough, but it's time to get back into the wrestling match and say, I'm, I'm here to wrestle, but I'm not here to wrestle against you, brother. I'm not here to wrestle against you, sister. I'm here to wrestle against the spirit that wants to come against us and destroy our unity and destroy our families and destroy our our future and destroy the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm here to I'm here today because I'm angry but I'm here because I'm angry at the right thing. Hey, I'm here baby to sink ships. That's why I'm here. I'm here to sink ships. I'm here to take control. I'm here to say, listen, you've been coming out here and you've been coming against us long enough. It's time for the church to go on the offensive. Here's what Jesus said. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the last time I checked, gates don't have legs. The last time I checked, gates are a localized location. The last time I checked, gates don't move. They are stationary, permanent fixtures. If it's not a permanent fixture, it cannot be defined as a gate. What you're saying, I'm saying when Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, he didn't mean that the gates were coming for us. He meant that we are coming for the gates. Thank all 17 of you. But for the rest of us, I, I know now why the enemy is so good at beating you. Because you're not in a war mentality. You're in a rest mentality. You're in a runaway mentality. But I wonder if there's anybody in the house that's tired of the enemy coming against your family, coming against your home, coming against everything that you hold dear. And you say, you know what? I'm tired of it. It's time to get angry. It's time to get angry. You want to have somebody and say, get angry. It's time to get angry at the enemy. It's time to get angry at the enemy. It's time to get angry at the spirit that tries to take our families and turn our lives upside down and keep us bound by oppression and depression and anxiety and fear. I come against you in the name of Jesus. You come against me with the sword and the spear, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. I come against you in the name of the Most High God. You don't have no space here anymore. I'm mad enough to do something. Hey.
You know why the devil doesn't want us to get angry? Because anger inspires action. Uh, that's why when you're mad at somebody, it's good to keep your mouth shut. Hey, somebody. Because anger inspires action. You'll say stuff when you're angry that you won't say when you're not angry. You'll, you'll make comments when you're angry that there's no way in a regular emotional state you would ever make those comments. But anger gets you to the place where you'll say stuff that you shouldn't have said. Well, if you get angry spiritually, you'll say stuff that you should have said. We, we are just letting the devil run over us sometimes. We're letting the spirit of fear run over us sometimes. We let the spirit of paralysis uh, creep into our minds, creep into our spirits. Uh, and we, 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 we take the spirit of silence uh, and hope that everything will turn out just right. Uh, but I came to tell the church today, I'm tired of hoping. I'm going to go ahead and do something about it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm tired of hoping and I'm in the, I'm, I'm in the wishing now because it used to be like, I, I sure hope the devil don't mess with my family. I sure hope the devil don't mess with my children. But now I'm wishing now. I wish the devil would touch my family. I wish he would touch my kids. I got something for him. I got a prayer for him. I got a day of fasting for him. I wish you would. Some of y'all just hoping. You're hoping he'll stay out of your house. You're hoping he'll stay out of your marriage. You're hoping it'll all turn out. But I want to tell the church it's time to get angry and say, I wish you would touch my wife. I wish you would touch my daughter. I wish you would touch my anointing. I wish you would touch my church because I got something to say. I got a praise in my mouth and a prayer in my heart. And I came today to get mad at the enemy. It's time to get angry. It's time to wrestle. There is a time to go to war. There was a time to go to war. Absolutely. Ephesians tells us, not Ephesians, Ecclesiastes tells us in Ecclesiastes 3. He tells us there is a time to go to war. In verse 8, in verse 8, he said there's a time for war. There's a time for war. We've been fighting the wrong thing. The devil has confused us so bad for the last three years We've been fighting Democrats and Republicans. We've been fighting red and blue. We've been fighting north and south. We've been fighting Trump, Biden. We've been fighting, we've been fighting the, the most dumbest stuff that God don't care nothing about. The whole time we're wrestling against flesh and blood, behind the scenes the enemy is laughing at us because he has us fighting in the valley against our brethren when we should be fighting in the mountain against the spiritual wickedness in high places. We got to get out of the valley uh, fighting with each other. Uh, and we got to get on the mountain and say, where are you at? Uh, where's the enemy at? Uh, where's the enemy at? It's time to put our swords up with our brothers and say, listen, instead of us joining in war, why don't we join hands and go up together, go up to the high places and tear the enemy's kingdom down. Hey. Because anger will make you do something. Do you know, listen, this, the, uh, uh, the Lord showed me this, and I've never seen it this way before until I started studying for this, this message. 
many times in the New Testament, many times, Jesus was moved with compassion and healed them. Jesus was moved with compassion and healed him. He was moved with compassion for the man and healed him. But, but do you know anger healed at least one person in the Bible? Anger healed at least one person in the Bible. Because the Bible tells us in Mark chapter 3, verse 5, and when he looked round about on them with anger, being grieved for the hardness of their heart, he said unto the man, stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, whole as the other. See, sometimes compassion can move you to do something. But in Mark chapter 3, verse 5, it was anger that moved Jesus. She said, I'm so mad at y'all, I'm going to heal him. I'm, I'm so mad at you, I'm going to do something for him. I'm, you, your spirit is so bad. Your spirit, the Bible says he was grieved because of the hardness of their hearts. He said, you made me so mad, I'm going to release my healing on this man. Because even anger can push you to action. I wonder the miracle signs and wonders that could be done in a church full of saints who loved each other but hated the enemy. They said, you know what? You done made me so mad. I'm coming out of this now. I thought about sitting here. I thought about laying here in my defeat. I thought about wallowing around in my failure. But you done made me so mad. I'm about to get up now. And I'm going to do something for the Lord. You made me mad enough that I made up my mind. I'm about to do something for God. Hey. It's time to get angry. Jesus got angry. On numerous occasions, Jesus got angry. Premeditated. I know it was premeditated. You know why I know it was premeditated? Because John told me that he braided a whip. You know how long it takes to braid a whip? It takes a little time to braid. I mean, you just can't just braid one. Like if I just gave you three pieces of leather right now and said, hey, braid, braid a whip, it's going to be a minute. And in that minute... 10 minutes, 15 minutes, you're going to have time to think about what you're about to do. So normally braiding a whip would calm you down. Like I'm so mad at you, but I'm going to braid this whip. And hopefully by the time I get done braiding it, my anger has resolved. The only way you can use that whip after you took the time to braid it is if it's premeditated. You was going to do it anyway. If there had been a random whip laying around, I'd have used that. But since there was no whip, I made my own. Now, some of us are old enough to know what it's like when your mama made her own tool of destruction. A flip-flop, a hanger, extension cord, whatever, whatever is close by. Some of y'all old enough to know. Now, some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about right now. Don't turn, don't turn my mama in, okay? But that was premeditated. She was going to whip me no matter what. She was just grabbing for something. Uh, 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 a hairbrush. Yep, got that too. Just whatever I could find. It's like, I'm, I'm going to spank you, and nothing is going to stop me from that. If I got to spank you with the side of my hand, my mama stopped spanking us with her hand because she would break her blood vessels in her hand. And she's like, I'm not going to spank you with my hand no more because it's hurting me more than it's hurting you. And that is just a saying that we say to make kids feel better. But when it really does hurt you more than it hurts them, you'll find a new way. 
and so she just grabbed whatever and hit you on every syllable. I told you not to do that, and if you do it again, I promise you, you will die. Every syllable. Going to get all the syllables in there, make it feel better, coming and going, I told you not to. That's premeditated. That's what Jesus did. Jesus went to the temple. They was cutting up, acting the fool. They weren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. And instead of him saying, guys, come around, let's talk this out. That's not what he did. That's not the Jesus. That's the Jesus the world wants you to think is out there. But that's not the Jesus that, that we serve. The Jesus we serve said, you know what? I'm going to braid this whip. And when I'm done braiding this whip, if y'all still up in here, if you're still within snatching distance, you're going to get snatched up. I'm going to snatch a whole knot in you. And the Bible says he beat him out of the temple and he turned over the tables and he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And there's some mamas and daddies that need to go home today and braid some spiritual whips and turn over some spiritual tables and say, my house, my house will not tolerate this. Devil, you can mess with the neighbors, but you can't mess with me. You can mess with them, but you can't I claim this house for the name of Jesus Christ and I plead the blood over every door. I plead the blood over every window. I plead the blood over every occupant. I plead the blood. If you come visit me, guess what? As soon as you walked in the door, the blood was on you because this is a house. Warriors live in this house. Warriors live in this house. We're not here to lay down and take it easy and throw in the towel and try to keep everybody happy. I want to get angry. It's time to fight back. It's time to fight back. Look at your neighbor and tell him it's time to fight back. Yeah. It's time to fight back. We want to preach the Lord is my banner. But, but, but go look that word banner up. It ain't a welcome home banner. It ain't a we support our troops banner. <laughs> That's not the, the banner, if you go look it up, it's a banner of war. And God don't give war banners out to the tea committee. Who wants to have conversations? He gives banners out to warriors who will march into the battlefield with no spear and no sword, just a praise on their lips. He said, I'll be your banner. The banner goes before you. And, and when the enemy would see the banner, the banner would tell who was coming. And the enemy would see the banner and we'd be like, oh, that's the Israelites. Y'all didn't tell me we're fighting the Israelites. I mean, because I was hyped 10 minutes ago. But when I saw that it, we're fighting them, I mean, because I heard that God is with them. There were so many enemies that turned around and didn't even fight because God sent the banner before them. And when they saw the banner, they said, you know what? I didn't realize that these were the guys that we came to fight. I'm, I'm, I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to go home. I don't know what y'all about to do, but I'm good. I want to live to fight another day. The banner was enough. But it wasn't a banner 
to just say who we are. It was a banner that told all of our victories. It was a banner that told of all the goodness of God. It was a banner that said, hey, there's a, there is an army behind this banner. God doesn't go out in front of ghost armies. He goes out in front of armies of God who have swords in their hands, a praise on their lips, and they are ready to do battle. We, we cannot ask God to send forth the banner if we're not willing to go to war. We cannot say, God, go before us if we're not willing to go anywhere. He said, if you go, I'll send my banner. If you go, I'll send hornets before you. If you go, I will send the reputation before you. And when you get there, they will be so scared, they will not have strength to lift up their, their weapons against you. But you got to go. You got to march. I'm almost finished. Yeah. I'm, I'm tired of it. Anybody tired of it today? I was thinking, I was like, I'm, I'm sick of this. And the Bible reminded me, I said, I'm sick of this. And he was like, yeah, remember that? Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, the Bible says they brought him one sick of the palsy. <laughs> he wasn't sick with the palsy. He was sick of the palsy. <laughs> yeah. He wasn't sick with it. He was sick of it. That's what the Bible said. I mean, I didn't, I didn't make that up. It's in the Bible. It's Matthew 9, 2. And behold, they brought him a man sick of the palsy. Lying on the bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick man, the, the, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer, thy sins be forgiven thee. Oh, hallelujah. He wasn't sick with it, he was sick of it. God spoke to the man who was sick of the palsy. Some of y'all not sick of it enough yet for God to speak. But I feel a wave coming in the church. I feel a, a, a tsunami coming in the church of men and women of God who say, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of living in fear. I'm sick of living in depression. I'm sick of living in disunity. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. And when God sees that you're sick of it, he'll say, thy son, rise up and walk. Thy sins be forgiven thee. Hallelujah. There are two responses to anger. And many of us in this room today, we have a built-in response to anger. I have a built-in response to anger. Sometimes it's temper. Sometimes it's just shutting down. I have built-in responses, human responses to anger. There are many of you in this room that can raise your hand and say, yes, I have responses to anger as well. I like to throw stuff, turn over tables, kick tires, kick cats. Because I love to have a cat around the house just so I can kick it every once in a while. That's horrible. I just got to forgive me of that. Touch my spirit, Lord. That's wrong. But some of our responses to anger, they look different. We're, we're all different, our responses to anger. You know, some people get, get angry, they start crying. You know, they get, they get so mad, they start crying. Listen, if you get somebody so mad they start laughing, you, you need to leave. 
I seen that in a movie one time. You don't want to be around people who get so mad at this. <laughs> like, yeah, we out. We, peace, deuces. My bad. My bad. I'm just going to walk out. Don't do that. We all have a response to anger. A built-in, automatic response. Automatic response to anger. But, but, but there is two spiritual responses to anger in the word of God. Two spiritual responses to anger. Two. Anger, vengeance, hatred. There's two responses to that. One we find in Ephesians 6 when he's talking about the full armor of God. And he says we wrestle, and we wrestle against the spirits. And he said so, so if you're going to wrestle, put on this armor, the, 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 the helmet, the, 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 the breastplate, the shield, the sword, all of this. Other. Then he says, which is the spirit of God. He said put, take on the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Watch verse 18. He says, praying always <laughs> with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Hallelujah. He, 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 listen, he, here's what he does. He says, listen, we're going to get on our armor. Everybody, everybody suit up. Full battle rattle. Let's full up. So we all battle rattle. We all of our stuff on. His next response is now, pray. You got your armor on? Here's how you fight. You pray. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. It's a good word. It's a good word. He said, now, now that you're all suited up, you got your helmet on, you got your sword, you got your shield, you got your best plate, you got your feet shot. He said, now the next thing you do is you pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. That is the first response to anger is I pray. When's the last time you got so mad at the enemy that it just drove you to your knees? And you got down and you said, Lord, you got to help me right now. I need the banner. I come against the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ, the enemy of my soul, the enemy of my marriage, the enemy of my home. I come against you now in the name of Jesus. Uh, he is my banner. Uh, he is going out before the army of God. Uh, he is my help and he is my hope. My human response is to lash out, to be temperamental, to, to shut down, to cry to throw things, whatever it may be, to punch a wall. Whatever. But my spiritual response should be pray. 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 Because if I'm all suited up for war, this is how I fight my battles. <laughs> this is how the Lord told me to fight my battles, is pray in the spirit. Somebody shout pray. In the spirit. That's how I fight my enemy. I fight my enemy. I don't know what to pray. Listen, the Bible tells us in Romans 8 that for we know not what to pray, but the spirit maketh intercession for the saints with all supplication. So when you don't know what to pray, you pray in the spirit. And when you pray in the spirit, the enemy has to leave you alone. When you pray in the spirit, David said, Lord, you raised up a standard when the enemy came in like a flood. You raised up a standard against them. Uh, that is the first response to anger. The second response to anger we find in Psalms 149. We love to read Psalms 150, but Psalms 149 is slowly becoming my favorite psalm because he said, 
in verse 6. Let the high praises, Psalms 149.6, let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen. Let the praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. You know what the two responses to vengeance, to anger is in the word of God? To pray and praise. When you got a praise in your heart and a prayer on your lips, the enemy is going to run for the heels. He's going to get out of dodge because... I'm not here to fight against my brother. I'm not here to fight against my sister. I got a prayer in my mouth and a praise in my heart. And when the people of God praise, God said, I'll put a two-edged sword in their hand. When they open up their mouth and give me glory and give me worship, he said, I'll put a sword in their hand. Uh, in verse 9 of that chapter, he says, to execute upon them the judgment written Watch this. In verse 9 he says, This honor have all his saints. Praise ye the Lord. Somebody say, This honor have I. I get to praise the Lord. Listen, he didn't say, This honor have all the perfect saints. He didn't say, This honor have all the saints that's caught up on their tithing. Know what he said? He said, this honor hath all the saints that look right, act right, talk right, dress right, and walk in perfect, and walk in some kind of perfection. He said, this, this honor hath all his saints. You know what that means? That means that there are people sitting in this room, you don't think you can fight right now because you don't think you're right with God. But you got to stop. I've been preaching this now for three Sundays in a row just about. you got to stop judging what God will do for you off of what you've done and the mistakes that you've made. If you are his son, if you are his daughter, if you are his child, if you are his saint, you have this honor. It doesn't have anything to do with how good you are. It has everything to do with how good he is. He is the perfection. He said, if you lift your voice and praise, I'll put a two-edged sword in your hand. This is how we fight our battles. With a prayer in our mouth and a worship in our hearts, a praise in our hearts. This is how we fight today. There are people sitting in this room, they're wondering, Pastor Chambers, how do, how do I fight this? Listen, I'm wondering. I'm wondering how do I fight this. I'm wondering what's my next step. What do I say? What do I do? How do I make this right? How? What's the avenue that I take here? Now, I may be the only person in the room that has that kind of stuff going on in their life right now. But I doubt it extremely seriously. But a high level of doubt pretty sure that there's a lot of people in this room today there's stuff going on in your world that makes you so mad you can bite through nails I tell you what let's do let's just be honest I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be honest so what are, what are you if you're sitting in this room right now and there's stuff going on in your world that you are that, that's totally out of your control and it's, it makes you so mad 
you don't, you, you don't really know who to be mad at. You're just mad. Raise your hand. Ooh. Look, I, I preached the right message to the right crowd today. Look at God. Won't he do it? I want you to know that the anger that you feel, the anger that you feel, God knew you would have it, and he wants you to use it. He wants you to get angry, but he wants you to get angry with the right thing and make the right move with the anger. Take the right action with the anger that you have. With his anger, he did a premeditated purge of his temple. He kicked everything out that didn't belong there. He took control of the situation. He said, he said, these things have to leave. For this to be right, there's some things that got to go. If it's true spiritual anger, there will be some things that you have to get rid of. Some things you might have to walk away from. Some things that may have to say, you know what? That needs to be out. And so today, if you raise your hand, if you're, if you're, if you're angry, if you're angry enough to take action, I'd like you to stand all over this room. I can't get away from Jesus. Can't get away from Jesus. Looking at all of those people who were against him with so much anger for their hardness of heart. And in one verse, he's angry. And then the, in the next sentence, same verse, but in the next sentence, he is restoring. The Bible said the man's hand was restored whole as the other. That, that, that Jesus, with, with, with one look, is so angry because of their hardness of hearts. And in the same moment of anger, Restoration exists in that same moment. That's what I feel here today. That's what I feel in this church today. Is that there are people in this room in the same sentence of you looking at everything in your life that is making you angry and you have no answers for it. That restoration exists in that same moment. You say, well, how can anger... And restoration exists together. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know the equation that makes it okay. I, I don't. But what I do know is that if Jesus could look on them with anger and look on him with love. <laughs> to look on them with anger for the hardness of heart. 
the people who opposed him, the, the spirits that opposed him, the enemy who wanted to shut him down. The Bible says they, they, they looked for an occasion against him, the, those people who were his enemy and that were trying to find a way to get him to shut up. As he looked on them with anger, he could also look at him with love. The same sentence, the same moment, the same time. God is angry and restoring in the same moment. It's so beautiful. It, it, it doesn't escape me in the scripture that, that I'm, I'm just now seeing this for the first time as I was getting this message ready. I'm just now seeing this for the first time in the way that I'm seeing it because I'm mad at some things. I'm angry at some things. And, and, I, and I feel like, you know what, if anger is in the room, then it's all got to be destruction and it's all got to be kicking out. And if anger is in the room, then it's all got to be, we're, we're burning it all down. Let's just set a match to it and watch it all burn. But God said, no, I was angry in the same moment as I felt compassion and love. God, give us the strength this Sunday to look at the spirits that want to shut us up with anger and look at the person to our left and right with love. Give us, give us the ability to be angry and restorative in the same moment. God, give me, give me what you had in that moment that, that with, with one eye, with one eye you saw the problem and you were willing to deal with it. But with the other eye you saw someone who needed a touch. God. Give us, give us that kind of anger that we could look at them and be angry for their hardness of hearts, but look at each other and say, let me restore you. God, give me the strength to look at the sinner and hate his sin, but love him. Give me, give me the strength to, to look at people that are lost and broken and hate the things that made them lost and made them broken, but love the person and restore the broken. Whew, I feel the Holy Ghost in here right now. If you're in this room right now and God is talking to you, I want you to just lift your voice and lift your hands to heaven. In just a few moments, I'm going to open this altar, but I'm going to say a prayer before I do. I want us just to worship God for just a minute here, just, just for a moment. Oh, God. Oh, Jesus, we love you. I'm going to open this altar in just a moment, but before I do, I want to pray. I want to pray a prayer of faith over you. God, I pray in the name of Jesus for every person that may walk down here today that has something going on in their life that they need answers for, Lord, something that is making them so angry that they are trying with all their heart to look at it with the anger and indignation, but also look for restoration and healing and peace for those that will come with the praise and those that will come with a prayer and say, Lord, I want to pray in the spirit. I pray for them today. I, God, I pray for boldness in your presence. I know that there may be some coming down, God. It may, probably everyone coming down here. We're, we're not perfect. We, we don't have it all together. We got our issues, Lord. But I pray today that you would help us look past all of that and see the cross and see your blood and see your sacrifice and not come down here based upon the goodness that we've done, but come down here based upon the goodness that you've done and what you've done for us, God. And God, I pray for boldness today and I pray for honesty and I pray for transparency. I pray that this altar today would be a place of restoration I pray that this altar today will be a place of healing and I speak it now in the name of Jesus in the name that is above every name in Jesus name this altar is open for the
I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.